Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, my name is Michael. And I'm Ben. And we are your armchair refs. Take a seat and join us. Before we begin, I just want to say a huge shout out to everybody who's listened so far. Ben and yeah. I have been frothing over the 72 listens we've had over the beginning of our uh, the beginning of the podcast. And it's starting off small. And even though it's most probably all of our friends that are listening, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, shout out to Mum for listening 70 times. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> That's a slog. <laughs> It's a lot of different Spotify <laughs> accounts. <laughs> but yeah, we're having so much fun and hopefully you guys are having a little bit of fun as well listening. So we've had a couple of different episodes out. We've had our like, main podcasts uh, where we talk all about rugby and a lot of other different sports, like what's going on. And then we've also had our mini series, which was now completed, where we did a review of each of the pools for the upcoming Rugby World Cup. So if you haven't had a listen to any of those, be sure to go check them out. Just in case anyone isn't quite sure, that is a shameless plug. We are absolutely <laughs> wanting you to listen as much as you can. We've got rookie numbers right now. We need to pump up those analytics. <laughs> um, however, we thought this week we were going to do something a little bit different. With the, with the podcast, we had this vision of being able to impart our what we think is our expert knowledge on everybody else, but also to help other people learn about the games uh, and the different sports that we'll be talking about. Um, so this episode is going to be a bit more about the learning and yeah, it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty fun episode. I reckon. If you don't like it, let us know. And if you do like it, <laughs> let us know. Um, <laughs> the armchair refs on pretty much any social media platform. So uh, another shameless plug. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't stop there. So you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter. There will be a TikTok account coming. I think that's maybe maybe even a Snapchat, maybe an OnlyFans. We'll see how we go. Yeah, let's see how desperate we get for money for the OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so our armchair analysis today is, is all about you're in a pub, um, you either haven't really watched a lot of rugby or mm-hmm. someone's dragged you along and you, you kind of want to just fit in. You're not desperate yeah. about being like an absolute nerd. You just want to know enough that people don't just look at you and go what are you doing yeah exactly and with the starting on friday we've got a long two months where there's going to be so much rugby and it's going to be all over social media all over tv if you're a rugby fan you're going to absolutely love it if you're not a huge rugby fan this is a perfect time to get into the sport so we thought we'd kind of give you a guide on how to be a rugby fan essentially Exactly. And if you're lucky, you'll become just as knowledgeless as us. So <laughs> <laughs> almost guaranteed. No, no promises. <laughs> right, Ben. So let's say you've come across somebody who doesn't know rugby at all. They've never heard of the sport. What are the absolute basics? Absolute basics. Like there's 15 people on a pitch. Yeah. You've got eight forwards and seven backs. Mm hmm. The forwards are also kind of known as the pack because they're animals, basically. They yeah. are going to go mashing into each other 100%. The backs tend to be a little bit, you know, a little bit cheekier, a little bit more skillful. I think that's the, the main difference between the two. Yeah. So there are 30 people on a pitch, maybe even 31 if you include the ref. There's 15 people per side. No. <laughs> 
but Ben's not wrong. So yeah, your forwards are like your big, uh, the strong guys that are doing a lot of the hard work, doing a lot of the carries. So essentials, the ball has to be passed backwards or mm-hmm. like at least flat. And that's going to be a contentious point that you can get into with your friends. But it has to travel backwards. And to score points as well, there, there are a couple of ways. There's a there's a try area. And if the player presses the rugby ball down on the line or past that line, it's then five points. And, and everyone goes wild. Everyone will go crazy. Yeah. And so you'll see it. And if it happens, you need to go crazy as well. And then after that, the kicker, the designated kicker for that team will have a chance to add an additional two points by taking. So wherever the try was scored, they can walk back as far as they want and then and have a chance to kick the ball through the post. And that's called a conversion. And that's two points. Yeah, I think that's pretty key. And then the other way you can score points is through a kick, either a penalty when uh, someone's infringe broken the law and the ref's giving you the ball you can kind of place it on the floor bang it through the post again or a drop goal which we're probably going to see england smash one in the world cup final (laughs) to beat south africa in the last minute but that is where you get thrown the ball in open play you have to drop it bounce it and then kick it so as we all know rugby balls aren't shaped to do that so it's a bit of a bit of a talent to do that bit tricky yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So that that's pretty much like the bare essentials that you kind of need to know. And I think before we get started, the kind of nitty gritty bits of all of the rules, mm-hmm. what's most important is that you just enjoy the game. There are yep. loads of niches. And if you remember 10% of what we're talking about, you're doing pretty good. Don't yep. worry about it. Just have fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the absolute basics you can do if you're from one of the teams that are playing on that day or in the World Cup, maybe even learn the national anthem because there is so much joy getting arm in arms with people in a pub or at home with your family and friends and singing your heart out the national anthem. It is such a great atmosphere when that happens. But yeah, you don't need to know the ins and outs of every single part of the game. Just cheer when everyone else is cheering. Exactly. And talking about the national anthems, you, you do want to know it. You don't want to be Googling the words while you're on the way to Twickenham with your dad. <laughs> I don't know if I'm not referencing anyone, but that would be pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I have no idea who you're on about. <laughs> there are there are names to the positions. So if you want to get really fancy, we'll dissect the forwards. So as Ben mentioned earlier, there are eight forwards. The easiest way to maybe describe this is when there's a stoppage in the play, you'll see the two forward packs come together really close and they're going to get into this formation and push against each other to restart the game. And that's called a scrum. And I think this is a really good way to kind of explain each of the positions. So if we just look at one half of the scrum, so one pack, you're going to have three guys at the front and they're your front row. And the guy in the middle is called the hooker. And the reason he... (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why he's called the hooker is because he will hook the ball with his foot when one of the other players pushes the ball into the middle of the scrum you'll see it when it's when it happens so then the other two players that make up the front row are called props and the one on the left is a loose head and the one on the right is a tight head yeah 
further back, you've got two people that are, are right behind them and they're called the locks or the yeah. second rows. Head in asses of the front row. It is uncomfortable position. Yeah, their head is squeezed right between the thighs and they'll have to occasionally, they'll reach up and grab the waistband of the front row to make sure that they're really nice and tight and compact. Yeah. And then finally, we've got the back row. And the back row is made up of two flankers because they are on the flanks of the scrum. So on either side, on either edges. And then you've got the number eight, who's right at the back of the scrum. Yeah, And you can tell which of the number eight is quite easily because when he's walking around, he's got a big number eight on his back. So um, <laughs> it's really helpful. <laughs> they run out of, you know, fancy titles to give him <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Okay, so hopefully that kind of made a bit of sense. Ben, do you want to walk us through the names of uh, the, the backline players? So you, you start off with, if imagine there is that kind of scrum that we're talking about. The guy who puts the ball in, he's normally the smallest, the chirpiest guy on the mm-hmm. pitch. He loves to chat. And, and I think a good example of this is Faf de Klerk. Mm. And, and they're and the scrum. Who, do, who does Faf de Klerk play for, by the way? He plays for the Springboks. South Africa. He is the perfect combination of what Barbie and Ken would look like if they amalgamated together into a human being. And if you don't know what I mean, if you can't picture that, just Google Faf the Clerk. And you can also Google his wife because they are identical. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're so good. They just swap at half time. Yeah. After after your uh, scrum half or your number nine, We've got the fly half who's going to take the ball, normally first receiver in the play. So he's going to be passed to first. He's like the, the orchestrator. He pulls all the strings, puppet master. Number 10, he is generally every side's most important player as a generalization. So after him, you've got the two centers. Inside is the person closest and outside is the person furthest outside mm-hmm. who played 12 and 13. We've missed 11, but we'll come back to it. Yeah. And they normally have either kind of one of these three attributes, which is a massive boot to kick the ball away, really silky hands, or they're just like a bit of a battering ram. They they look like they could run for a brick wall. Yeah. And then you've got what you call your back three, which are your two wingers, who funnily enough are on the wing. They're just normally rapid <laughs> and they just love scoring tries. And then you've got your fullback who stands yeah. right at the back of the pitch. And when the other team kicks to them, they, they kind of feel the kick and normally just boot it back pretty boringly. That is pretty spot on, to be perfectly honest. If you've watched some other sports, like a good comparison for the number 10, the fly half, you can almost kind of think of him as being the quarterback. Like everything kind of runs through him generally. That person is orchestrates how the attack will look and he will be, you'll see them like barking instructions to the forward in the backs there, like the link, the scrum half, the number nine and the fly half, number 10, they kind of, of the linkage between the forwards and the back end are generally the bosses of the team. All right then, Mike. Now we've talked about, you know, the basic rules, the teams, whatever. Uh-huh. Why do we love rugby? Why do we want to watch this? Why do we bother? I think with rugby, there's so many different elements that make the game so beautiful. There's the physicality of the forwards. Like you see some of the craziest big hits. They are like spine crushing, blindsided, Huge hits. It's basically like legally watching people get hurt for money. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like, who doesn't love you've been framed? This is like 80 minutes that you've been framed. And it's really great as well because 
when the when the big hits are played on on TV, they'll definitely put them in slow mo, and you get to see the, the facial reactions of like, <laughs> them getting absolutely smashed. <laughs> the um, regret in their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but it is literally the epitome of putting your body on the line. So that I think that's definitely one of the biggest attractions to the sport because there's no pads. You might see some people wearing these scrum hats, but apart from that, is literally just body versus body, really. Mano y mano. So that's one of my favorite parts of the game. What about you, Ben? I, I love the physicality, but I, I think it's also the way it's combined with skill, the kind of tactics and the silky hands, manipulate defenses, find breaks, and just the way that it's like kind of chess at the same time, except mm-hmm. chess where you get to bludgeon the other pieces to death. <laughs> As Ben said, you've kind of like the physicality and the gracefulness of the backs kind of go hand in hand. And the beauty of rugby is the people that are really skillful are going to try and go up against and try and dance around the big scary forwards that are really good at tackling. Rugby is a game for people of all sizes and shapes. And that is super evident when you watch it. You'll see the you'll see the big beefy props that are meant to be that way so they can do really well on the scrums, but then you'll see like really light, light on their feet, small wingers that can be really quick and get around the edges. Yeah, a great example of that is Ange Capuzzo from Italy, who looks about mm-hmm. 12 years old. And, Absolutely. <laughs> and then you compare him to kind of some of the massive boys in the in the scrum. It's uh, yeah, It's mental. Compare him to like Joe Marler that's like coming on like close to 14. He's got a mohawk. Yeah, it is really. And there's just so many different personalities. It's incredible. In rugby, because a lot of it, even though it's a team game, if you like break it down, it's a lot of one-on-ones and there are a lot of one-on-one moments. Prime example is Cheson Colby. And if you want to like like search why he's so good, you literally just type in his highlights on YouTube. But his sidestep, he is probably the best in the game at it. I really love watching people's ankles getting broken. Oh, ankle breaking. Figuratively. Figuratively, not literally. <laughs> Just, yeah. Do not look through Mike's search history. <laughs> so how about this? How about on the other side, Ben? So what are some things that aren't so great about rugby? Like what what makes it a bit of a dull watch? Yeah, yeah. I think in general it's good. I think we should probably start there. Yeah, <laughs> it's not half <laughs> bad. Yeah. Before we tell you why not to watch it, we should, you probably should watch it anyway. Uh, sometimes there's such a tactical element to it that for a fan it's not super exciting. So there's a, there's a big kick game for some teams. So mm-hmm. you kind of kick it to one team, they kick it back, and like nothing really happens. But it's a nuance of the game, and it's it's all about kind of trying to find an advantage. So it makes sense, but at the same time, it's not all action. The other thing is that everyone loves a scrum. Scrums are great in rugby. What isn't great is when they reset them. And so if that means a scrum fails and they call scrum again, basically it takes, you know, a minute for them to all get up because as we're saying, the shape and size of them, getting off the deck's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, watching them set up, it's a... Uh, yeah, if you've got ADHD, it's a nightmare. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those reset scrums, you know, they can be reset a multiple couple of times before they actually do it properly. So we'll we'll dive into scrums a little bit later. But in general, like a lot of the rugby fans in the world don't like England. So <sighs> you can also jump on that bandwagon and just hate England whenever they're playing because yeah. you will fit in with the majority. 
if you're wearing an England shirt, this is not acceptable in, in public. <laughs> People will look at you very funny. <laughs> Think about your attire when doing this. I, England are a great team to support, especially if you're English. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> but yeah, it's not all hate. It's love, really. I think, that, in fact, actually, I'm going to add that to things that I love about rugby. The fans do like each other. Yeah. I think, you know, you go to a stadium, you can sit next to an opposition fan, and it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Some sports think that's wild, but um, yeah. and you can drink in the stadiums. It's not like football. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good watch. Everyone enjoys it. Shakes hand at the end. Yeah, that's a really good uh, note to end on because you see, particularly on social media afterwards, a lot of the, the teams will like go into each other's dressing rooms and exchange jerseys and have beers with each other after the game. But you wouldn't be able to imagine them doing that after seeing them go full throttle against each other for 80 minutes on the pitch and then be best mates off the pitch in the change rooms afterwards. So it, it's a really good game for that. And if you are going to be a fan of rugby going forward, it's okay to be an armchair ref, disagree, make calls. It's not okay to be a keyboard warrior. That is uh, oh, loser behaviour. Absolute oh, loser behaviour. such a good tagline. <laughs> be an armchair ref, not a keyboard warrior. <laughs> Merchandise coming soon. <laughs> Like you said, we want to be an armchair ref. We want to try and build you up in to be confident when you're in the pub or with your friends and family watching the game. So, Ben, walk us through just in general open play when the, the ball is going backwards, you've got a team attacking and defending. What are some things that people should look out for and potentially some key buzzwords to save to rile people up? Big buzzword, the word offload. Everyone loves it. Right, that is when you've been tackled, and between being tackled and hitting the floor, you manage to get like a little pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you miss make a ooh noise, people are gonna love it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's an easy win. It's an easy win. Um, and someone who's really famous for that is Sonny Bill Williams. And you can either say, "Oh, that was as good," or "That wasn't as good as Sonny Bill," because he is kind of like the trademark offloader, and he's ingrained in everybody's mind. So that's that's a good little phrase that you could you could mention. That's <laughs> it. Uh, as Mike was saying about Ches and Colby earlier as well, a, a little sidestep, ankle breakers, everyone loves mm, it. You can't go wrong. What something that we did mention earlier was how the ball has to go backwards, right? But occasionally the ball has, you know, it can be really flat. And sometimes the ball can go forward as well and it will get blown up because that can't happen. So if a ball is extra flat, and you'll know what I mean when you see extra flat, (laughs) you tell everybody that it was extra flat and it was not forward. You You can say that. You could also say maybe the camera angle was off and it looks like it's gone forward, but it hasn't. And most importantly, to really piss people off, just say it went backwards out of the hand. In whatever situation there is, just say it went backwards out of the hand and you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. People will love it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. But I think most importantly with open play, um, yeah. just cheer what you enjoy. I think it's, it's one of those things where you can't really go wrong. If it's your team with the ball in hand and they do something fun, yeah, love it. And if your mm-hmm. team absolutely smashes the guy with the ball in hand, yeah, that is a big whoop. Everyone loves it. Absolutely. I think big hits and line breaks, when someone makes a break through the defence, those are like the two like big moments on the attack and the defence side of things. So go crazy when that happens, particularly if you're an English fan, because they won't happen very often. 
So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh cold. But I guess if we're talking about big hits, we have yep. to kind of talk about high tackles. And there's there's a little rule there. Yeah, there is a little bit of rules. It is a very hot topic. There's been a, a lot of changes in the rules over the past couple of years. So some key basics. You have to wrap. So you can make contact with the shoulder uh, against the player you're tackling, but you need to attempt to wrap your arms around the body or whatever, yeah, whatever part of the body you're tackling against. You can't just lead with your shoulder. So a classic example of what not to do is Owen Farrell. <laughs> I, knew you were say that. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Um, I should probably calm down. And my English bashing is quite hot this episode. <laughs> you can always say uh, if someone isn't rapping, say that uh, as it is, or say that it's a shoulder charge, and that will definitely get some people riled up. You can't hit them shoulders or above because head injuries, they have been a part of the game in the past and something we're looking to cut down on. Mm -hmm. I say we as if I'm in charge, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if people are extra hot on that at the minute because brain damage is just not fun. And not, mm -hmm. not really podcast chat either, so I don't know why I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a key part. It is key. It, unfortunately, it is now part of the game that we are trying to get rid of. So, so in rugby, there's uh, a penalty system well, we've got yellow and red cards for some really bad acts. A lot of those cards do come from the tackle uh, as a whole. So if, for example, there's direct head contact in a tackle, whether that be like head to head or shoulder to head, it should be a red card nowadays. That's what World Rugby has kind of implemented over the past two years. But if you're feeling extra edgy, if there's like a, a card and a tackle, if it's a yellow card, just say, oh, it should have been a red. And no one disagrees with you ever. If it's a red card, it is a bit controversial to go the other way around. Yeah, yeah. you'd be very brave to say that should have been a yellow. <laughs> but right, nine times out of ten, if you just nod and say, yeah, ref's got it right, people aren't going to question you. Absolutely. So after a tackle has been completed and after the ball carrier has been brought down to the ground, there's something called the ruck. Now, this is a very quick way to reset the game essentially so when that player goes down he creates an offside line so the rest of the defenders so the rest of the other tacklers they then have to come back well just behind the level of that ruck is that is that a good way to describe it yeah football's got a bit of a confusing offside but rugby's is like 10 times more confusing yeah but i think most cases, if you kind of start from behind the, the back foot of your player, you're probably doing all right. Yeah. So, you know, when, when you guys on the floor, you got to kind of come in from behind him and, and go over the top of the ball. So it isn't really easy, but you'll see it because once a tackle happens, the, the rest of the defenders are most likely going to be aligned, spread across the pitch, and they'll slowly be moving back as each tackle is being made to put themselves onside. A really good way to engage if one of the players hasn't made their way back to behind the rook or in line with that, you can shout and scream that they're offside. And you can even scream loud enough that the ref might even hear you and give your team a penalty <laughs> that they're offside. And that's from home. Like, yeah, you don't need to be in the stadium to do that. <laughs> and that's coming from us. You know, that is what we do week in, week out. And nine out of ten times, it does work. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the rucks are quite a contentious, uh, quite a contentious area because basically every ruck, 
everyone's cheating. I think yeah. that's fair to say. Yeah. Your aim is just to win the ball back. If you've if you've got the ball and you've taken it in, what you want to do is kind of get it back to your team as quickly as possible so the scrum half can pick it off the floor and throw it. And if you're the other team, you just want to steal the ball. So which means it's pretty, pretty good for just shouting random stuff. Absolutely. And getting away with it 99% of the time. You know, you're probably <laughs> yeah. right. And just and just to quickly explain then, what are the two ways that you can steal the ball if you're the defending team? If you're the first person there after the tackle, if you, as long as you come in from the back, you can just pick the ball up and it's called jackaloo. Mm-hmm. It's a massive skill. Like some, some players get paid the big bucks to do this just because you win the ball back, you stop the attack, and then your team's already on the attack. So the opposition isn't ready for it. You're just good to yeah. go. Yeah. The other way is, is counter-rucking. The ruck is formed, which means there's kind of people over the top of the ball and you just push them off. You just kind of steamroll through them and mm-hmm. the ball comes back on your side. So it's not seen as much, but when it happens, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, because it's literally a display of physical dominance because you shouldn't be able to counter-ruck. The attacking side has the advantage. They're going forward and you kind of have to get underneath them and just completely outmuscle them to get over and win the ball. So when it happens, you can kind of go crazy. So, so key phrases, Mike. What what yeah. should you shout at the TV to to win some win some fan points? Oh, okay. So my a couple of my favorites are you know he's in at the side. As as Ben said, the the rock is really messy. If you shout he's in at the side that can apply to either the attack or the defensive team. So you are going to be right. Double and... points. Or, you know, double chance. <laughs> I'll, I'll take those odds. <laughs> you just don't need to say who it is. Just shout, he's in the side. You're probably going to be right. Yeah. Uh, another one of my favorite is he's off his feet. Now what this is, so let's say you see your teammate get tackled. He goes down and you're first up there. When you go over the ball and try and secure it, almost like you know protecting that ball with your body, you have to keep your balance. You have to be on your feet. You can't go and dive straight off it effectively. So if you see someone flying into the rook and coming straight off their feet, let everybody know. Shout at the top of your lungs. Yeah, flopping over the balls is, that's a penis's job. You don't do that as a rugby player. Um, (laughs) but this one is also double bubble you've got a chance because you're not allowed to play the ball when you're off your feet so Mm -hmm. if the opposition team is kind of kneeling down or they're not standing up when they're trying to take the ball they're also off their feet so you know feel free to shout that as many times as you want and also like because there are those players that are specifically paid and their skill set is about the the jackling, as Ben said, you know, to create what it's called a turnover. You could just, you know, casually slip in, you know, before the game, you know, when the beers are starting to flow, you can just say, you know, winning the breakdown battle is going to be key today. Oh. And, you know, that will just go over so smoothly and because it's going to be true no matter what game it is. It's, it's always key. Um, <laughs> you never know if you've won it or lost it as well. So you can, you can just roll with it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right so ben if we kind of move on from a ruck the ruck happens the scrum half it's his designated role to be at every ruck essentially if he can be there and he will then pass it to either some forwards or some backs so let's say the scrum half passes it to some forwards and the forward knocks the ball on you know he tries to catch the ball and it 
bounces out of the hands and goes forward? What happens next? Well, first of all, that's statistically more likely to happen. Forwards literally lather their fingers with butter <laughs> before they play. It's a well-known fact. So they, they really try. Catch. They try their best. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you, then you get a scrum, which is pretty much, it's when someone's made a mistake in the game and it's not kind of malicious. It's not like you've, you've caused a penalty. Like if you drop it forwards or a forward pass, kind of the key to scrums. This is where, you know, as we were kind of talking earlier, your front row, your second row and your back row all kind of get in tight position and they basically just fight out for the ball. Mm-hmm. The ref will shout, crouch, bind, set. And then both the packs will just kind of go in at each other. You're not allowed to push until like the scrum after throwing the ball in. And then it's just about kind of dominating. So your hooker wants to hook the ball back to mm-hmm. your side and then play resumes in an ideal world normally Mm -hmm. you throw the ball in and go to the ground and you just look at the ref and wait for him to give a penalty to one team that's pretty much what happens unfortunately nowadays so yeah the grummers are just a really quick way to restart the game so for example let's say team a knocks the ball on so team b will then put the ball into the scrum so they have the advantage because team a made the mistake but it is supposed to be a slightly more fairer way to compete for the ball again because your eight strongest going head-to-head against each other so you can get pushed off the ball even if you didn't put the ball into the scrum. I know that's kind of a bit, might be a bit confusing, but that's the essence yeah. of it. This is another great time to make some rugby plaudits. Uh-huh. Where you're supposed to put the ball down the middle, no team ever does. because I haven't seen it done <laughs> in about three years. <laughs> Nobody I... does it anymore. It's outrageous, to be fair. I think someone needs to chat to World Rugby. But basically, (laughs) this is a time to just slip it. I hate that no one ever feeds it in straight. Yeah, that wasn't straight. Absolutely. Or they're never straight because they never are. It's it's classic rugby plaudit points. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and Ben really said earlier, you can't push as a team before the scrum half puts the ball in. A couple of people get a bit eager. So you can shout and let everyone know that they're pushing before the ball's in because that is an offence. And it should be a penalty against uh, against the other team. The other thing is you're supposed to push straight. So there's no kind of like manipulating angles and stuff. It's it's all about just pure strength and dominance. So if you see someone who's not looking in a straight line, you just say, oh, he's going in at an angle. And you're probably right. Yeah, most probably. You know, those are kind of like the most common things to kind of say. And also because it is this, again, another display of physical dominance, you can also just shout, heave, and just really hope that again gets fed to the players and they can be filled up with the strength and just dominate the, the opposition. And you will see actually, you will see how much it means to the players when they win a scrum or when they win a penalty because of the scrum. Like all the team will come flooding in and just pat all their players on the back. It, it, there's just no better feeling on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good one. But I think the scrums are a bit of a dark art. Like you think you might know what's going on, but... Mm-hmm. Only the big boy pundits who have played in the front row can tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Most of mm-hmm. your friends don't know either. So it's a pretty good one to <laughs> shout at. So this is a really good time <laughs> just to, you know, to slip in these comments because no one will be able to tell you that you're wrong because they have no idea what's going on themselves. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Our piece of advice for the scrums is, yeah, no one knows anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> May as well have a crack or whatever you want. Yeah. Give it go. <laughs> So I guess talking of restarting plays, the rucks, which are the fluid one, they kind of happen all the time within open play. Mm -hmm. 
and then you've got the scrums if you bottle it, knock it on. Yeah. The other one is if you kick it out, it's a line out. Mm-hmm. Here, everyone lines up. It's a nice little procession. Mm-hmm. The hooker will kind of stand on the touchline and throw the ball in down the middle of the two lines, mm-hmm. or as they as they deem the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, generally, this one is actually pretty good. You know, they are tend to be straight, and then the teams will have their own kind of patterns and they'll have lifters who will kind of lift someone in the air. So that's that's kind of a line-out. Uh, so typically it'll be your forwards in the line-outs because if you imagine you've got the, the row of forwards standing when the line-out's about to happen, you want to guarantee that you'll get the ball back. If the hooker just threw it in and everybody was standing, it would just be about who could jump the highest, right? So it's not that, it's not that efficient. So <laughs> what happens, as Ben said, you have lifters and they'll have different calls and it will represent who's going to jump and everybody will know their own roles and then someone will get lifted up to make it easier to get the ball back and compete against the the opposing team. Yeah, and generally it's the second row or, or you know, there's a few back rows that get lifted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're normally the tallest. Yeah. But also, if you look at the front row, you don't want to be lifting them. You do not want to be picking them up. No way. <laughs> Um, so another thing that will kind of happen is something called a maul. An easiest way to describe this is a lineout will happen and then they almost kind of create a scrum formation to try and drive and gain some meters on the pitch. It will look really weird. So you'll have the guy that catches the ball, the lifter, he will then come down and then he will hold on to the ball and he will pass it to somebody there. And then they'll get really tight and the opposing team will then try and push them back as well. The aim is everyone get in really tight. Someone stick the ball up their shirt so the other team can't get at it. <laughs> um, and then just push as hard as you can. They don't have uh, a camera in there, so they could definitely <laughs> stick up the ball up their shirt. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why I wanted to mention them all is it's most likely going to happen when a team is really close to the try line. Because this is a, a an easy way where they can, when they go to like the five meter, so they're five meters out from the try line, they can kick into the corner. So hopefully win the line out and then just maul over. The Springboks, uh, the national team from South Africa, they are so typical for doing this and quite famous for doing so. So yeah, at least when you see some blokes gathering together on the side of the pitch, at least you'll know what's going on this time. Yeah, or you won't, but you know what it's called. I think that's, <laughs> that's almost as important. But yeah, it's, it's it's all about making meters and edging yourself towards the trial line, which well, pretty much the whole game's about, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we want to give you some key phrases, some buzzwords, some things to make you look good in front of your friends and family. Uh, but this one, we're going to focus on the lineouts and the malls. So Ben, what do you reckon is a, a go-to for everybody? Oh, well, for your line out, it's that was never straight. Yeah, which classic. You, oh, you always do that. If the opposition's had a good line out and they've making some meters, that was never straight. Like you didn't have a chance to compete for that. <laughs> it's it's completely unfair. And equally, there when the two teams line up, and Ben said, you know, in their procession, there should be a good gap between the players, uh, between the two teams. Sometimes you'll see players step closer and closer into that gap to try and steal the ball. So you can definitely shout he's closing that gap because 
I'm honestly again like the scrum in the dark arts. That is a dark art of the lineout. Probably every team will close the gap during the game. I was criminally guilty of this when I played. <laughs> <laughs> See, it happens to our very own, so it's going to happen on the on the international stage. <laughs> yeah, so they've learned from me, and uh, they're trying to get every advantage they can. And then I guess when the mall is formed, if the mall is yeah. formed after line out, as, as we've kind of with the rucks, everyone's kind of got to come in from the back yeah, to come in and push. So if one of the oppositions come in from the side, there's no way they've come through the middle. They've come in at the side. Yeah. Outrageous. Outrageous, yeah. Absolutely cynical. So Ben, do you want to just quickly just elaborate for us about what happens uh, we talked about, you know, knocking on, you know, you're not breaking any rules. What happens if you do break a rule? W- what happens? Yeah, so if you have been a naughty person. You naughty, naughty. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, the, the rest going to come and give the other team penalty. So from, from a penalty, you've got a few options. You can You can either kind of kick it out. So you kick it out for a line out. In most, in normal play, if you kick it out, the other team will get the line out. Mm-hmm. But from a penalty, you get you get the line out. So yep. you get to make all of this territory all basically for free. Yep. You can also call for a scrum if you're kind of backing yourself. So yeah, it generally is when you're near their try line and you kind of want to suck all their players in. So there's more space out wide for your team. They might call a scrum because it's all about one-on-ones. Because if you think about it, all the forwards are going to be tied up in the scrum. So it's going to be your backs versus their backs. So if you think you have a set move, uh, like a, a play drawn up that you think is going to allow your team to score really easily, then that's why you might call a scrum. Yeah, you can you can do a tap and go, which is basically like as soon as the ref kind of blows his whistle, you get the ball, you run to where the penalty is, and you've got to kick it, a little kick, and then you can kind of carry on the play. Mm-hmm. The reason this works is when there's a penalty, the other team has to go 10 metres back. To, mm-hmm. So then then they're eligible to play. So if they're not 10 metres back, you can kind of weave your way through and, and hopefully kind of make a break and go for it. Or a pretty standard one, and you're going to see a lot of this, is if you're kind of within range of your kicker, they're going to kind of kick for the post. So try and get three points on the board, mm-hmm. build up that score line, try and just win the match, basically. So the, the final bit that we kind of really want to talk about is kicking and something called box kicks. So we don't really need to explain kicking because it's as simple as it sounds. Box <laughs> kicks. <laughs> Box kicks is something that happens at the rucks. So as we mentioned before, the scrum half, the number nine, will go to the majority, if not all the rucks, and he can pass it away. Another thing that can happen is instead of passing it, they can kick it straight from the base of the ruck. And that's what's called a box kick. And you'll see... These, you know, the long forwards, they'll attach to each other. They'll like have their shoulder resting against some guy's bum and they'll have this thing called a caterpillar. They'll make it really, really long to make that kick uncontestable. Yeah, and box kicks are part of the game. It's They're great for if you're kind of pinned in your own half and you don't mm-hmm. want to be there because it's easy to kind of make a mistake and then you end up giving away points. So you want to kind of get the ball into their into their half, make some ground. Another use of the box kick is you might be pinned down in your own half. You can kick it and hope that one of your players catches it again. So you want to have that the box kick length to be in a contestable length to try and regather possession. But when the scrum half gets it wrong, 
let everybody know. Tell them it's too long. You know, they can't, no one's going to be able to contest for that. Yes, another thing with kicking is any forward, so numbers one to eight, if they're kicking the ball, you cheer. Like everyone loves to see it. <laughs> <laughs> no matter the score line. And... <laughs> uh, it's traditionally until maybe, you know, until really recently, it's mm-hmm. pretty much only been backs that kick because they've just kind of got better like hand for eye coordination. And now it's it should be celebrated that other people have got the balls to do it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The backs are paid to kick. You know, it's supposed to be, you know, in their arsenal of skills. Mm. Whereas forward, that's not what they're that's not what they're there for. So when it does happen, it's a glorious sight to behold. Oh, it's like when in football the goalkeeper comes up last minute, wins the header yeah. on the corner. Oh, Beautiful. That is exact that's a very good description. And if you don't know football, then sorry, we can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> another little niche part of the game with kicking is on the pitch there's there's different zones effectively that are marked out on the pitch so you have the 22 meter line and that is 22 meters from each person's try line so when you're in that area you're allowed to kick the ball out on the full it can bounce outside of the edge of the pitch if you are anywhere past the 22, the ball has to bounce first before then going out, out of bounds. And if it doesn't, if it goes out on the full, then the play gets brought back to the exact line where you kicked it and the opposing team will have a line out. So there's only one more niche with this. It's called the 50-22. So it's a rule that's actually relatively new. So if you talk yeah. about it, people are going to be impressed. Mm-hmm. It's when you're in your own half and you kick the ball, it bounces and it goes out of play. But when it goes out of play, it's in the opposition 22 area. Yeah. If you do this, it means that you get the line out. So the whole point in this rule is is more to create more space for, for people to run through because you have to drop an extra player back to cover these kicks, which means you should be able to find some more holes in their defensive line. It is great to see when people do it. And it's, it's actually quite rare. Yeah, it really is rare. And then if a forward then does that, it is almost the equivalent to Harry Potter catching the golden snitch. Like that player <laughs> automatically becomes man of the match. They go famous. They go viral on Twitter and Instagram. You know, endorsement deals come flying in. It's yeah. just, oh. The World Cup is kicking off. It starts this Friday night, which is the day the podcast is released. And over the weekend, we've got some great games. So we're doing our armchair recommendations, one game a day, plus a bonus game. Kick it off, Mike, mm-hmm. Friday night. Friday night is the big game. It's the hosts of the World Cup, France, going against uh, New Zealand. Arguably two of the favourites actually win the competition. So it couldn't be a better game to open up the, the World Cup. Absolutely huge. And then we come on Saturday, which is you know another big decider for, for one of the pools, Pool D. Yeah, this is where England versus Argentina is going to go head to head. Um, this is going to happen late Saturday night in France, so that's going to be different around the around the world. But obviously, England's got some poor form. Argentina are ready to pounce. We'll have to see who comes out on top. Yeah, and uh, when that's England, we'll all be pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Sunday, we've got again some incredible fixtures. Uh, I'm going to be really biased and say that the game to watch is South Africa versus Scotland. 
Uh, I'm personally going to be at this game. So next week with the pod, I'll be able to give you my live reaction and either it's going to be a huge celebration or I'm not going to be on the pod next week. (laughs) One of the two. So yeah, look out for Mike in the crowd. And for those of you that don't know what he looks like, just listen out for him. (laughs) You'll hear him cheering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So that's like the one big game uh, each day, which we think is going to have some really big implications for the World Cup. But Ben, do you want to just walk us through the the final bonus game? Yeah, if you're loving it, and and because we also haven't visited this pool in uh, in our three games of the weekend, we are going for Fiji Wales. Fiji are looking pretty hot. Wales mm-hmm. are looking pretty not in the uh, in the kind of preseason. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But anyway, it's get hyped, get stoked. You know, make plans with your friends or your family, and make sure to watch as much rugby as you can this weekend. Yeah. And that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for watching, everybody. And uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on all of our social media. Uh, I'm not afraid to do another shameless plug at the end of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Let us know your thoughts on what you thought about this episode. And uh, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Yeah, thanks, guys.